Hey Cookie, hey assorted booze. You guys ready to party it up tonight? Yo Emily, you ready to get sick on some candy? Hey Josh, I uh, I'm not sure I feel like eating anything actually. Oh, you look sick already. You didn't need all the airheads before I got here, did you? Uh, Emily? I think... I think my necromancer powers are bubbling up again. Hmm. Maybe because it's Halloween. Oh, maybe. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't feeling happier about feeling more like myself again, but... I'd also be lying if I said I wasn't glad that door had a huge deadbolt on it. Haha. <laughs> deadbolt. Well, we weren't planning on going outside for a while anyway, so why don't we just listen to some tunes and wait for your reanimating powers to wear off? Yeah, I'm feeling better already. And let's not open the door for trick-or-treaters, please. I don't see that ending well. Uh... Hey everybody, and welcome to the VGM Jukebox. I'm Emily. And I'm Josh. Each week we play tunes recommended by you, our patrons, and we also read your testimonials. And sometimes it's almost Halloween, and we actually had quite a few recommendations that were kind of creepy themed. So I thought it might be kind of cool to do a Halloween episode. Not that everyone isn't already overloaded on spooky tunes, I'm sure. Um, excuse me, spooky tunes. But, uh, here's some more for you, recommended by you. Our first track comes to us from patron Octorox. This is a new patron. Uh, the game is The Legend of Zelda, The Minish Cap. The track is Royal Crypt, composed by Koji Kondo and arranged by Mitsuhiko Takano. And this was for the Game Boy Advance. Octorox writes, Here's a Halloween pick for you guys. It's a somber and spooky rearrangement of the dungeon theme from the first Legend of Zelda. In the game, it's played when you visit the Hyrule family royal crypt and awaken the ghost of a previous king of Hyrule. Like Emily, I love listening to remixes and rearrangements of classic tracks. It's interesting to see how each composer puts their own stamp on it. Nice. Yeah. I like how this theme got expanded without actually adding too much that was different. There's no new melody in it. There's really no new part, except maybe the, the swelling strings in the background, so just chords and some percussion. But it feels 
very different, and I like that. It has a completely different mood. To me, anyway. Yeah, I didn't really recognize it, actually. Yeah, it's just weird. the dungeon. It's just the dungeon theme from the first one, but it's, uh... The first one is really harsh and kind of... I feel like when I was playing it, I was kind of wishing that it was a little softer when I was playing the original game. This this I could listen to for a very, very long time on repeat. Mm. It's neat. I think um, the strings are sampled or something like that. I'm only guessing because when the strings like get louder, you hear this like sound, like this uh, white noise getting louder with it. Oh, yeah, that little fuzz, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's some fuzz in this, for sure. Kind of interesting that they chose to bring this theme back for the Hyrule Family Royal Crypt, because this is associated with, you know, the dungeons of the first game. So that's interesting that they used such an iconic piece that was once associated with the villains to then be associated with the good guys. Wait, is the Minish Cap even in the same timeline as the original Zelda? I have to tell you, I don't know how the Minish Cap fits in. I didn't even know how to pronounce it properly for sure until five minutes before we started recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think. I looked up a pronunciation for it just to be sure, because I've been saying Minish Cap for my entire life. Yeah, me too. Uh, but um, I don't know. H- have you ever seen that uh, timeline that got published several years ago that showed how all the different games fit in with each other. Yeah, and there's a new uh, game theorist video on um, how Breath of the Wild is supposed to fit into it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So I watched that. That's why I'm feeling almost up to speed enough to talk about it. <laughs> actually, it's I'm still confused. I uh, he has a theory that all the links in one timeline have this uh, a yellow band on their cap, okay. and all the links in the other timeline ha- don't have the yellow band. So I don't I don't know about Minish Cap. It's interesting. Um, well, you Josh were thinking of getting this game, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm done with uh, Phantom Hourglass. Uh, did you announce that on the show? I think I did already. I think so. Well, just in case we didn't. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> congratulations congratulations. Um, and I still turned that game on because there's like a stupid little collection element to it where you could try to get all the pieces to... There's like um, maybe seven different kinds of uh, sets of pieces for the ship, and the ship itself is about seven pieces or mm-hmm. something like that. So you can try to collect all the pieces from one set and have a uniform-looking boat. And I'm trying to do that sometimes. It takes forever, though. Wait. I have... No, go ahead. Hmm? I'm missing one piece from the vintage ship, and I'm missing one piece from the demon ship. And if I could complete either of them, I might never play the game again. <laughs> Maybe. 
Okay, so you answered my question. I was gonna say, wait a minute. This is like uh, designing a a room in Animal Crossing, where you want to get all the pieces mm. of furniture from a particular set because you get a crazy point bonus. Oh, you get a a small, small. bonus. Uh, you you get one extra heart on your boat. Um, so your boat becomes more durable, I guess. That's that's funny. Anyways. I never thought about putting that kind of gameplay element into Zelda for some reason. It is basically like Pokemon. Kind of. It's just a dopamine uh, right. system. Waiting for that piece. Because you're, yeah. Um, but yeah, I missed that game. I was a little uh, sad when I beat it, just because, you know, I thought I would miss it. So I was trying to choose between um, the sequel to that game, which is about being on a train, and it uses basically the same uh, gameplay. I understand. That would be Spirit Tracks. Yeah, that's right, Spirit Tracks, and it'll even have a collection element. You know, I think for the different parts of the train. So that's cool. I want I, th that sounded good to me. But then I was uh, hanging out with you and the Gabe and Brent Weinbach, and Brent Weinbach kind of randomly brought up the other game uh, that I was thinking about, which is the Minish Cap. And he was like, "Wow, yeah, that was a really good game. That was a really good game in the original Zelda style." And so, as much as I want to continue or like. Uh, ignite that nostalgia for the very recent game, I'm also thinking maybe I should just Minish cap it up, you know? The Bach influence. Cap it. Cap it the Weinbach effect. Yeah, but, I mean, I do I know mean, that this game is... Okay, I'm gonna walk that back a little bit. I know it's related to Four Swords. I can't remember if it's a prequel or, or a sequel, but Four Swords is considered a fantastic game. So... I'm gonna assume that this is also well received in that sense. I weirdly, f I thought that um, Phantom Menace was supposed to be the best game of all of the DS or something, but then wait, you just said the Phantom Menace. No, oh, <laughs> was supposed to be the best game on the DS, but then I also found articles that said that Spirit Tracks is quote objectively a better really? game. Really. Oh, that's interesting to me. I, yeah. All of my retro friends were not super impressed with Spirit Tracks. I played it briefly. I didn't get into it that long. I borrowed it from a library. And I enjoyed it, but I didn't get you know far enough to make a real assessment. I have a feeling that whoever wrote that article didn't play it either. but And was just quoting something that he saw somewhere else. But I saw it a couple mm. times. Uh, this idea that Spirit Tracks is better for some reason. I don't know. Anyways, um... That's Do you want to throw it to the patrons? Hey, patrons, if you were to recommend one or the other Zelda game to Josh, which one would you recommend and why? Yes, please. Let me go back to Hyrule. Buy me a ticket. Well, actually, just show me which, uh airline I should take back mm -hmm, to Hyrule mm -hmm. and I'll buy my own ticket. Exactly. Okay. This next track. I really like the name of it. Um, it's 
Shade Man uh, from the game Mega Man 7, recommended by Zatch, composed by Yuko Takehara, Toshihiko, Horiyama, and Makato, um, Makoto Tomozawa. Let's take a listen. Here's a response to your call for spooky music. First, a little background on Shade Man. Before he was found and modified by Dr. Wiley, he worked in an amusement park's haunted house as a spooky vampire robot with giant bat wings. Dr. Wiley appropriately gave him an echolocation-inspired weapon, Noise Crush. This tune is on the fun side of scary, a sound or genre I've been drawn to my whole life. Because of video games? Gooby? <laughs> the fun side of scary. Yeah, like, uh, like, uh, Stranger Things, that show. Do you ever, have you ever watched that show, Emily? I have not, but many people come up to me and they say, you should watch Stranger Things because that thing that you own, I saw in the bedroom of one of the kids in the show. People are always telling me uh. about like paraphernalia I have that's just showing up on the, the show. I think that's funny. But I know that it was, uh, f- you know, phenomenally received yeah. and people love it. I think it's overhyped in a, in a way, but like I really loved it too. So I'm not saying mm. that like I don't recommend it uh, just because um, I was very affected by that show too in the sense that... Um, I just really liked watching it while it was on. And then I also even kind of was inspired and I bought my thermos with a design that kind of reminded me of a show. It was like a red, uh, a red argyle pattern uh-huh. Uh-huh. on my, on my uh, thermos mug. And I just felt like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> argyle uh-huh. is always a good choice. Um, but yeah, do you remember fighting Shade Man himself? Do I remember? Yeah, since you so I, recently fought him, right? I didn't. I have not played Mega Man 7. Oh, my bad. I, I stopped at 6, yeah, so... Oh, okay. 
but this track was played on the Legacy Music Hour during their Mega Man episode, and I loved it then and I still love it now. It's a really good tune. But I'm interested. I'm interested to continue my Mega Man journey, but I'm not sure how I'm going to proceed exactly. I'm told, based on um, my reflections on my Mega Man experience, one of my friends kind of ingested all that information and then kind of came out with, you should really play the Mega Man X games because everything you're saying that you like is what those games are about. So I'm interested in that. But I think maybe someday I'll wind up playing all of the Mega Mans, all the Mega Men, mm. including you, the soccer title. You feel an, an affinity to that series, to that to that story, that character, or just the gameplay and the look? I think, actually, I mean, I didn't have any of the manuals for Mega Man 1 through 6, so I was just imposing, self-imposing my own story upon the very thin framework you're given in the games themselves. And apparently my headcanon is way more intense and way more complicated than what the games are actually trying to convey. So I'm very attached to everything that I've kind of put on the framework of the game and therefore attached to kind of what those games inspire in my own imagination. Mm -hmm. But... That's good. Um... I don't know if I feel super attached to Mega Man himself, necessarily. Yeah. Poor Mega Man. I know. He gave up his peaceful life. He volunteered to be changed from a housekeeping robot into a war machine so that he could fight against his brothers and sister and destroy them for the sake of the rest of the world. Wow. This is like, this is like straight up dystopian something it's he's like the frodo of that world yeah yeah he's saving the world but not for him it'll never be the same i like that i like how dramatic i made the mega man story i said yeah i some it's not he he gets home at the end of every mega man game and he's he like jumps in the air we he did it Mega Man is, He's fine. is like Stranger Things in a way. It's like when you're invested in the story, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But when you're not thinking about it, it can seem kind of, I don't know, I don't know, watered down or something. It's very straightforward. There isn't a lot of gray area, at least not in the source material, I would say. Okay, should we move on? Okay. We are going to move into a request from Wicked Sephiroth. This is from Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins for the Game Boy. The track is Haunted House, and the composer was Kazumi Totaka.
Wicked Sephiroth writes, This delightfully spooky track, for some reason, always in my mind, had these unspoken lyrics that I imagined. I'm not sure from whence they came. Bipti bopti bopti bipti bopti boo. <laughs> I can't actually figure where I'm supposed to be singing that. So I'm sorry, Wicked Sephiroth, I ruined it. But he continues, This game I distinctly remember putting headphones into the Game Boy and being blown away at how much better the sound was. I couldn't quite describe why, but it tickled my funny bone with some of the goofy yet awesome tracks on this game. Uh, yeah, this is playful. I can't even... I don't even feel like it is spooky. Mm. Ex Little baby spooks. Uh, there's like a... It's like maybe there's a dad ghost, but he's kind of clumsy and like bumping into the <laughs> wall. And then there's a little baby ghost that's like running and uh, his legs are moving really fast. That like is that. so cute. I didn't even hear it as two distinct characters. That's perfect. I'm never going to unhear that now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the boo party. It sounds like the little boo is getting ahead. You know? Oh, yeah. And yeah. kind of exploring and curious about things. The dad is like, I've got to keep my eyes on you. <clears throat> Very cute. Thank you, Emily, for that. You added the cute to my day just now <laughs> in a very no powerful problem. way. No problem. And it's actually a day that's already filled with cute things. Oh, is it? Did you know? That it's a big day. Oh, well, the date of this recording, not this release. It's a big day for Pokemon Go. I was going to say, should I guess? You should have Pokemon guessed. Go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Go on. Um, okay, I'll say a couple things about Pokemon Go. And I'll say them as fast as I can because they're just things that have been on my mind lately. But I want to get them off my chest, but I don't want to sit around doing another Pokemon Go goes. Yeah, sure. Go! Anyways, today in Pokemon Go, they have released all the ghost and dark types from Gen 3. Mm. And so Shup, it's pretty cute. Yes. And uh, the other one I got, Duskull, is, is Duskull. creepy cute for sure. The best. That is That one's the best. It's, uh, it's, I haven't evolved either of them yet, so I'm looking forward to that, I guess. Uh, other things I wanted to say, Paul is into it. Him and his wife are like so into Pokemon Go. I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, but remember earlier on the show when I was talking about how I have a reverse effect sometimes when I give yeah. people advice? Yeah, your your spell with a 75% reversal rate. Yeah. I told my parents-in-law not to get iPhones, and as soon as they heard that from me, they got iPhones. Mm -hmm. um, Paul used to come into my office. We were uh, co-workers, and he would come into my office, and he would see that I was like watching Pokemon Go videos or playing Pokemon Go, and he'd ask me a couple questions about it, and I'd like tell him a bunch of stuff. I'm like, and I'd find that the game was a little deeper than even I know, I knew just by explaining it to him, and he would be like, "Oh, should I play it?" And I'd be like, "I guess. I mean, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's fun. You should play it." And he would actually occasionally ask me that same question question from time to time and then one day i was like grading a stack of papers and he goes so should i get into pokemon go and i was like you know what dude don't do it don't do not do it 
It'll kind of ruin your life a little bit. If you enjoy it, you'll uh, find yourself walking around, uh, catching Pokemon, and just kind of like spending a lot of time on the game. And then as soon as I told him not to play it, he downloaded it and got into it, him and his wife. And now they drag their kids around to play Pokemon Go, as opposed to, you know, the opposite. Right. As opposed to the, the little boo. Yeah. As opposed getting to... Getting too far ahead. Yeah. This is the, the parent boos kind of looking for more Pokemon and yeah. then the little baby boo Come being like, wait, what about me? <laughs> no, Pokemon. I'm kidding, Paul. I don't mean it literally that way. I know you're not neglecting your children to go catch a legendary. No, they're not neglecting them. They're bringing them along. Right. And uh, they're probably into it, right? No. And, uh, but anyways, so somebody gave me a ride home today. One of my other coworkers named Brandy, she was already going to Echo Park where I live for another reason. So she gave me a ride home today, but I needed to meet her at 12 o'clock, which also happened to be the time when the new Pokemon were released. Uh-huh. And, uh, I did have to go get the, uh, Duskull real quick. Me and Paul ran down real quick to get it. And I almost found myself just walking into the distance forever and for and completely neglecting uh, the fact that Brandy was <laughs> was there to give me a ride. So right. sorry, Brandy. It was okay. We were only I was only like five minutes or so late getting back, but there was I almost completely just neglected that situation. And you wouldn't have even seen me today. If I had my way. If you had walked into the, the distance. Yeah, if I let my dopamine receptors just take over, which I so wanted to do, I would have just kept walking off a cliff or something, you know, just to get these new dust, I mean, uh, ghost type Pokemon. Well, I mean, you can relax in that they will be there tomorrow. Maybe. I, but and the, tonight. There's probably increased spawn rates. Um on them during the first hour, which which they usually do uh, for the events. But yeah, it's fine. I'm relaxed. Look, I don't need these things. Uh-huh. I don't even know if I want these things. All I'm saying <laughs> is I'm compelled to get them. Right. Yeah. I um, My students actually, one of the students asked me... Oh, wait a minute. Wait, can I stop you right there? Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. So maybe I did this. If my necromancer powers are coming back, maybe I made all the ghost Pokemon appear today. Accurate. That's pretty cool. Accurate. You're welcome, everybody. You're welcome, Josh. Continue. Um, one of my students asked me today what my favorite video game was, and I'm like, well, I don't... I definitely play Pokemon a lot, but I don't feel like it's a video game. I feel like it's, like, gambling or something. Mm-hmm. We were talking about collections last time and how... So, how time is like more valuable than money to some people. Uh-huh, yeah. And so I think with Pokemon Go, you're basically gambling with your time. You know, like, I'm going to walk around for an hour and hope something good's going to happen. Inst- right. Instead of like putting $5 in a slot machine or something like that. The one thing that I do think is interesting, 
I think that the aspect of Pokemon Go that is most interesting to me is the the concept of this is happening at a set time and you need to be there for it and everybody goes because that's what everything used to be. You used to have to sit down and watch a TV show when it was on at a certain time and everybody would like stop their evening to watch the latest episode of whatever mm. and then talk about it the next day. Yeah. And so somehow Pokemon Go is kind of injecting that back into a world which is now so on demand that you can basically watch and do whatever you want, but they are forcing you within these little envelopes of time. Wow. That's very interesting, and that's even <laughs> and that's even more the case when it comes to uh, doing the raids. Right, yeah. And uh, there's this thing called the EX raid, which is the only way you can get a Mewtwo. And um, it's not just a r raid in the sense that, like, um, something one of the gyms will become a raid but like you have to go to a specific gym on a specific day at a specific time to fight this Mewtwo with strangers you know or you know the other people who you might know in the area because they're the other Pokemon players mm. but yeah that's a really interesting uh, it's an old idea thing. made new again this was a very great track to talk over, by the way. Yeah, there's a lot of space. And it seems to be kind of outside the range of normal speech. Not outside the range of speech, but maybe like a, just a different frequency or something. It's good. It's also um, the little melody line, particularly, particularly or perhaps only, that the little boo is singing. Mm -hmm. with its feet in this track as it toddles along is kind of one of the main themes of the game that pops up in many of the other tunes. And it's just a little hint of it. Mm -hmm. I always like that. I always like it when video games have a... a uh... I always forget how I'm supposed to say this. It's not leitmotif. That's how I've been saying it for my whole life. I think it's leitmotif or letmotif. Oh. But motif, you know. Yeah. I think that's cool when a video <clears throat> game has a, a theme that will carry through several different musical pieces. Mm. Well, let's carry ourselves to the next track, shall we? We shall. This one was recommended by Polyester Ties. The game is Dungeon Keeper. The track, it's construction time. And is composed by Russell Shaw. Let's Take a listen.
Polyester Ties says, I was introduced to Dungeon Keeper by my brother-in-law. Though I played it and its sequel incessantly, none of my friends ever got into it despite their enjoyment of other real-time strategy games. Dungeon Keeper is the most unique RTS game I ever played and has more features, mechanics, and easter eggs than any other I've encountered. It also spins the genre on its head by taking the action underground, where you play exclusively as the villain. You must use creatures and magic spells to conquer the goodly realm beneath which you have set up shop. Imps are your workers and excavate hallways and caverns where you build different types of rooms while mining gold and gems for resources. Different rooms will attract different creatures and serve different purposes. Most of your creatures come to your dungeon voluntarily through a portal, though some are only available through other methods. For example, skeletons spawn when humanoid creatures starve to death in your prison. <laughs> Ghosts spawn when a creature dies in the torture chamber, and vampires spawn when enough corpses decompose in the graveyard. You must keep all of them happy, fed, and be ready to pay their salaries when payday comes every two weeks in game time. Some of the creatures don't get along and will fight to the death if they encounter one another in the dungeon unless you intervene. Eventually, you must defeat the goodly heroes and sometimes rival keepers either when they invade your dungeon or you are ready to invade theirs. Once you beat a level, you can immediately move on to the next or exercise the option to keep playing and explore the map. Most levels have hidden secrets which might unlock bonus levels or give you an advantage in the next level. Perhaps most interesting, though sorry, perhaps the most interesting mechanic is the ability to possess any of your creatures and explore the dungeon in first-person mode and use all their spells and abilities. Oh, that's cool. Dungeon Keeper also had many hidden features and easter eggs. For example, if you possessed a hellhound, visuals changed to grayscale, or if you possessed a vampire, they changed to tones of red. If you played the game on a full moon, a secret level was available. If you have a printer plugged in, you might receive an insulting fax from a rival keeper. <laughs> like many RTS games, the soundtrack played a number of tracks in a never-ending loop. Each song is unique, but all have a dark, dank, industrial ear feel, perfectly setting the tone for the underground evil creep fest you are embarking upon. I stopped playing after I got married, and my wife complained about the horrible screams of the dark mistresses playing in the torture chamber. This game does not sound like an Emily game, it doesn't? but it sounds awesome! It sounds so cool. It does sound cool. It's like a necromancer game. So it is. So in that way, it, it's pretty stylized for you. But what, it is, ex what, except what I think like it's... It? I think this is very violent and gory. Oh. You know, the concept that you have to torture creatures to get other creatures. Oh, right, right, right. That's the funny. noises. There are... Um, there are sound effects in video games, in modern video games, that I do not like hearing for many reasons. So sometimes I will do the, can you turn it down a little bit thing? So I, I connect with uh, Polyester Ty's wife in that way. Mm. I have noticed, this is an interesting thing, that uh, noises in video games bother me less <clears throat> if I'm the one playing. 
because I think I don't think about it as much or I'm just not processing it because I'm trying to stay alive. Yeah. Um, so this is an interesting side note, but my favorite part of this testimonial hands down is this bit about getting a, a printout. If oh, you have yeah. a printer plugged in that you'd get a fax. Oh my God. I mean, that is so cool. and so freaking creepy. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I mean, with all these Easter eggs that polyester ties is talking about, it's like how many times polyester ties did something happen that creeped you out so bad. You had to like step away from the game for a little while. I would never get over something coming out of the printer while I was playing a game. I don't think I'd ever recover from that. You know what I realized uh, from reading this testimonial, though, is kind of all RTS games are where you're, in a way, the villain. I mean, you might be, like, protecting a town or something, but whatever's, like, running towards your dungeon is kind of traditionally... Or not the dungeon, but running towards your castle or your goal or whatever... That's the traditional um, mode of the hero, you know, mm, to, bra- right. to bravely traverse and try to reach a goal. And you're, so it's funny, uh, in, in general, the RTS genre kind of spins video games on their head a little bit. And this yeah, one that is interesting. Uh, makes, makes that even more clear, I guess. Yeah. There's actually a game that my husband played when... Maybe when he was a teenager, maybe an early 20-something, but, you know, from ye olden times. Mm -hmm. And I think it's called Black and White. And it's it's an RTS game, but you are basically God. And you choose an avatar that will be on the ground for you. It's some kind of creature that does your bidding. And you have to uh, encourage people to believe in you and kind of, uh, you know, you can choose to help them build their towns and worship you and things like that but the twist of the game is you can be as good or as evil as you want Mm. so you can be a a benevolent god and take care of your people or you can decide to you know smack them around a little bit and I can't remember I can't remember what the actual goal is if there's actually an end goal or if it's just like do some stuff what if all religions are this just God trying to get as many people to follow him or her as possible. Probably a him. And then compare, and then com- and then <laughs> compare to another, another God-like entity, and be like, "Look at my stats. Yeah, <laughs> they're so much better than yours. I've collected all of the human subgroups. Yeah, you haven't. I was, uh, That's funny. What yeah, I... what if we're all just part of an RTS game? We're just <laughs> stats in someone's bragging rights. I had a student the other day. Um, she was like, oh, can I leave five minutes early? She asked me that before class. And I was like, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Have you ever heard that phrase? Yes. And uh, Do you know what that's from? The Satanic Bible or something like that? It's, um... Oh, and now I can't remember the name of it, but that's Aleister Crowley's religion. Yeah. Uh, the OTO? Something like that? Oh, okay. What the heck is the name of that book? Alright, keep talking. I'm gonna remember what the name of that book is. Um, 
anyways, so, and then actually my students thought that that was a cool thing to say and a cool thing to believe. So it's almost like, um, you know, God found a different avenue to them through Satan. It's not actually Satanism, I don't think. Oh, some people think it's of a it. cultism. It's definitely a cultism. I think it is satanic. I think it's the Church of Satan. I think it's different. Well, I think the, the Church of Satan. Is... Oh, the Thelema. Okay, the Thelema is the name of the book. I know this because one of my friends in college was was obsessed with Aleister Crowley, and so through osmosis, I got a lot of information. Well, it's important to note that the Church of Satan is not really about worshiping a deity as if, or like worshiping the op, you know, the Lucifer in the Bible as if, like, that's a good idea. It was a way for Aleister Crowley to make his ideas, I think, just more uh, compelling for the most part. Anyways, doesn't matter. I can't pursue this conversation. <laughs> it does not really factor in. But I, I only learned that phrase from uh, listening to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, where they actually went to whatever you want to call it, church, and uh, learned that phrase. The point is, RTSs are cool <laughs> uh -huh. because... Uh, there's yeah, there is something appealing about having uh, a lot of power and limited mobility. Yeah, you are definitely confined by your little hand and how fast your screen can scroll. And you must get all others to do your bidding That's to accomplish your objectives. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, that for some reason our concept of a narrative tends to be like this overthrowing of a power instead of actually trying to keep danger out, which was probably more like the human experience, really. You know what I mean? I don't know. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Have I you thought about tower defense games in this way? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. Yeah. I love tower defense games. I haven't played one recently, though. Too much golf. <laughs> golf slash. Golf and Pokemon. Yeah. Poke golf. All right, well. Shall we move into the next room of this dungeon Let's chamber and see what awaits us? Do it. Okay. This one was recommended to us by patron Hobie. This is from The Secret of Mana, composed by Hiroki Kikuta. The track is Ceremony, and this was for the Super Nintendo. Let's have a listen.
Hobie writes, Love the spooky gamelons here. Cool. This is a great song that I have heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's playfully spooky, kind of like, like fairies. It's like fairy music, but like dang- maybe fairies with no moral compass or something. But maybe that no fairies have moral compasses. That's why they're a little spooky. Mm. But the yeah, but you're. I get what you're getting at. It's not. Uh, it's not an intimidating track, or an ominous one necessarily. But there is a undercurrent of a. Uh, like the bass notes are actually creating some weird dissonances, the, yep. which make you think like maybe it's fairies that are uh, have to kill something in order to make something else grow. You know, mm-hmm. they're like putting an owl to sleep for the last time and then making its body decay, and you're uh, seeing all these maggots and stuff crawl out of it. But there's this, there's like a, some kind of beauty to it, I guess. I don't know. Maggots are gross, though. I think you just described a Nine Inch Nails video. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting, because what I get from it is more chaos and curiosity. Something that I like to think about when considering supernatural creatures is like, if fairies existed, how would they even understand us? They would harm us without even realizing they were harming us. How would they even process our reality? So to me, this track feels more like I'm nervous because I don't even know what they're going to do or what's going to happen, but I don't feel that there's any kind of bad, deliberate force behind it. It's just like, you know, kind of a roulette of chance. Yeah. That's why why fairies are a little creepy, I guess, because... They are, if they're just representing the force of nature, then sometimes it is death. Right. And we're kind of talking about, I must have asked you one time, would you rather become a ghost or a, uh, like a spirit? Yeah, we talked about that on the air. And the trade-off was that as a, as a spirit, you would still be you, but you would be like bound to a place. But if you were a spirit of like the forest, then you would lose kind of your personality, but you'd have powers and uh, yeah, freedom. Yeah, you would lose the human context, but you would your consciousness would be like uh, converted into this uh, machine of of creation or something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. Ooh, I'm actually hearing a part to the track that I've never heard before. Oh, really? Maybe you're listening to the bass a little carefully. No, there's like a little like, kind of like a hoo-hoo-hoo underneath that I've never heard before. Hmm, I don't know. It's not, it's at the beginning, I think. But that's that's funny, I've never heard that before. Unless I'm somehow hearing your echo, but I don't think I am. Hmm. I'm just waiting for it to come back around again. Yeah, it's definitely there. Oh. 
Do you hear what I'm talking about? I don't even know how to describe how to point it out. Is it like a throbbing uh, sound? I don't know. It's sort of syncopated with the main melody. So it's like filling the gaps in between those beats. It's coming in on like beats two and four. Now it's gone again. Hmm, I don't know. It's a little ghost they never noticed before. Maybe I created it just now. Great track. I wonder what kind of ceremony this is. You know, yeah. One thing I like about this show is that, like, sometimes we do come up with these images that help me to appreciate a track that's not really my style or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, this track's not my style, but thinking about these little fairies uh, gives it a magical feel to it. Or A creepy magical feel. Yeah. A magical drop. You know what this is? This is like if you were to see a scene, let's say you just walked into a forest and you just saw a whole bunch of, you know, dry bones wandering around, a whole bunch of skeleton turtles. This is what that, this song is the feeling you'd be feeling where you're like, I think this is cute, but I'm not sure because of the packaging it's in. Does that make any sense? Wait, say that again? So it's like, the track to me is cute almost in a way, but it's off, you know? So it's as if, the thing that came to mind, of course, is a whole bunch of dry bones wandering around. And my reaction would be, oh, how cute, like a whole bunch of baby turtles, but they're all skeleton turtles. So I don't know how I feel about this, that I think it's cute still. And they're perfectly, they're just going about their business, you know? Yeah. They're not being menacing in any way. That's the word I was looking for before, menacing. There's no menace in this track. But chaos is sometimes accidentally destructive. Yes, As chaos, curiosity, creation. and uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, we can let those baby skeleton turtles wander off. All right. Bye, guys. I'm so glad I get to see you again. Bye-bye. I'm sorry some maggots ate your flesh. <laughs> They're like, it's okay. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm immortal now. It's cool. Okay. Yeah. This Momentary a- discomfort. Actually, I didn't feel anything because I was dead. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> this next track was recommended by Alien Jesus. The game is Death Smiles. The track is Burning Halloween Town. Composed by Manabu Namiki, is released on the arcade. <laughs> on the arcade. <laughs> it came out on the arcade. I like that. You had to go to the roof of uh, your local arcade and play the Xbox 360 that was up there, which it was also released for. Uh, anyways, let's take a listen.
Brilliant Jesus writes, Death Smiles is a side-scrolling bullet hell shooter from Cave with a gothic theme. And this tune is from the game's first stage. It sets the tone so perfectly, whilst also getting you pumped for your spooky adventure, shooting down pumpkins and ghosts and dragons and for some reason a giant cow. Brilliant. <laughs> Note on Wikipedia, the title track, Burning Halloween Town, contains uncredited excerpts from an edited for content version of the 1966 movie Mondo Keyhole. These excerpts were also used in the track Brain Freeze from Command and Conquer Red Alert 2. Yeah, that was just an interesting... There was a little... Oh, was uh, that... On the first loop, there Mm. was talking. There was like a little movie quote style situation. Mm -hmm. And that's what that was from. I just thought that was an interesting note. So that kind of um, tried and true technique of using clips from black and white horror movies in your own horror music gets done a lot. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a cool little cool little factoid. Death Smiles is a game that I hear about a lot but really don't know anything about. Mondo Keyhole by the way Mondo Keyhole I just want to I looked it up real quick. It's about some it's about something even worse than you think it could possibly be about. Anyways, go it's ahead. Tr- yeah. It's true. Yes. Um, I forget what I was talking about. Oh, that uh, I hear people talk about Death Smiles a lot, but I didn't even know what genre it was until we played this tune and read that testimonial. So I am now educated. This sounds like a video game track. Yeah. Yeah. I would have guessed Rhythm Game. Mm. If someone had just played this for me and said, what kind of game is this? I would have said Rhythm Game. That'd be a fun Rhythm Game. Um, Reanimating Skeleton Turtles. Yeah, there you go. Actually, okay, related but semi-random tangent. Ever since I did K-Boss, I've been thinking about what kind of final boss I would be. This is what I do. In quiet moments, this is what Keyglyph does: is she thinks, "What kind of boss would I be? What would my game be if I were if I were a final boss?" And I did decide that it was a bullet hell shmup, actually, and uh, some combination of my using some kind of giant hammer glaive to raise skeleton turtles, and then you're having to avoid a whole lot of little things. But anyway, no, that's cool. And then like uh, you could try to relieve yourself from some of the pressure by uh, blowing up the skeleton turtles, but then if you wait too long, you're going to reanimate them again. No, that's the coolest idea for a boss I've ever heard. Like a necromancer <laughs> boss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and what what I like about this, so if, if everyone has listened to K-Boss at this point, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of implied that I am the final boss, or mm-hmm. that I was the boss all along. And... I really like video game villains or just villains in general who aren't really out to get you. They're just out to push you as far as they can. And like, you know, sort of like Q in Star Trek, he does some seriously awful things, but he's also just kind of like trying to see if you can overcome these obstacles he's going to throw in your way. And it's kind of a game. And so I feel like I would be that kind of boss. I'm not, I'm not actually trying to, to murder you. 
I would be the most fun shmup you've ever played no, because you... it would specifically be designed to make you feel awesome. I like that. That's that's nice. But I do think you should kill the uh, main guy, and that's so that you can reanimate every time you know you kill the player. You should reanimate their body and turn them into one of your like uh, weapons. Oh, you know, there's a game like that. There's an indie game like that that's actually about. It's based on the concept of trying to cross the border into America, and if you die in that game, if you get caught by animals or you starve or you get, you know, shot, you just your body is just left there, and then you start again as another person, and eventually you just kind of litter the landscape with mm. previous attempts. So they don't turn into enemies, but same kind of idea. I think there are zombie games that do this too. Doesn't Zombie U do this on the Wii U, where if you if you die, you get turned into a zombie that's now an enemy for your next run, something like that. It's oh, a cool idea. I don't know. I, I think that's that. true. I think in in Zombie U, I think that's what it's called. If you, the player character, get turned into a zombie, that zombie is an enemy for your next run, but also is carrying all your stuff. So if you want your stuff back that you used to have, your power-ups or your equipment, you have to go get that zombie and kill it and steal the stuff from it. Mm. Something like that. All right. Oh, I, I know what you're talking No, I don't. But in Diablo 2, you could find your old corpse and get stuff back from it. Exactly. It's yeah. exactly like that, except the corpse is moving around and trying to get you. Mm-hmm. But yes. Man, I'd love to... I really wish I could make video games. I feel like that's got to be so much fun. I think we have all the tools we need now to do that. We do? What tools? I don't know, like uh, various um, programs that we could download off the internet? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? Something that I saw when I was at Retro World Expo was a um are you familiar with rpg maker yeah yeah so someone's making another version of that or something in that style called nes maker oh so it's all like nes style graphics and and things like that wow and it looked so cool so hey the tools exist or will soon exist wow 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 yeah By the way, on our maybe we should bring this up briefly. On our last episode, we talked about potentially changing the sh- or just having uh, some constraints on the show mm-hmm. about uh, how many of each of games from different generations we do or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we got a message from I think who was it? Utopia Nemo. No. Yes. yes. Yes, it was. And he was like, you should just choose at random. First of all, I want to uh, own that a little bit. I was the one nagging Emily because um, I, I don't know why, but just especially that day, I just was like, I can't believe that I'm doing this show now and it doesn't feel like my show anymore. It feels like I'm just listening to a bunch of music you know that i don't feel any connection to i guess 
mm-hmm. which sometimes happens. You know, I need to open up my uh, my horizons a little bit. But yeah, when I hear new music from new games, sometimes I just feel very disassociated from it. I don't know why. You know. Mm. Um, so, anyways, and uh, I guess. I, I do agree with the principle of what was said by Utopia, Utopia Nemo, you know, that things should just be basically random, but they're actually not random now. So I don't really know what to do, uh, how to exactly uh, think about that anymore, but I just thought I'd bring it up. Um, this episode is mostly retro. We're listening to like the only new song, I think, right? Or the only CD... There are two. C- oh, there were two? Yep. The, f- the Dungeon Keeper. But again, oh, this yeah, was... Yeah, yeah. this was. It's random in the sense that... All right, so to give people a peek behind the curtain, the way we choose the tracks... Might as well just lay it out. We try to um, even out the number of times you guys show up on the show. So we keep meticulous track of how many tracks you have had featured on the show. A correction. Yes. You keep meticulous track. I do. I do. Yeah. And so the idea behind this is if there's a new patron, we absolutely want them to get featured. And we want people to be featured evenly, as evenly as possible, because not everyone is submitting the same number of tracks. And if we truly picked a random number... Yeah. You know, we we could not guarantee that everyone would get on the show, and we could not guarantee that it would be fair. And I always felt that since we're trying to um, share people's memories and experiences with video game music, that we should try to spread it out as much as possible across, um, you know, the number of participants that we get for the sake of uh, mixing it up and keeping it, you know, unique and varied. So that's how we do it. So... I never actually compare whether or not people have uh, played this track or that track. I don't choose based on anything except this person needs to have a track played and then I pick one kind of randomly from what they have submitted. Now this episode is not random because it's in uh, a theme. You know, it's in, yeah. yeah. So it's in honor of Halloween and we've asked for themed episodes in the past. We've asked people to send in things to, to feature together. Um, but you know, as a as a librarian, I mean, there's a lot of librarianship that kind of motivates the way I approach these things. So um, it was always my intention to try to keep it as even as possible in representation across our contributing contributing audience. Yeah, and you were and also, this was oh, go uh, ahead. You're also very thoughtful to new uh, recommenders on the show. Um, I remember I would I was saying like you know you should make them wait a little while after they uh, recommend a, a track but you were like no I, I don't like the stress when I do it or when I uh, write to a show I don't like the stress of not knowing when they're gonna talk about me or something like that and uh, so you're wait also- this was me or you saying that I think you were saying that I don't like I was the- yeah I- wait I'm confused go ahead say it again Mm, just that you favor new patrons. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I guess if it was up to me, it would be very different. I would just choose almost completely at random 
and maybe I would just be like, no, I don't really like, the, I don't really, or maybe I would say, oh, I want to listen to this one, or maybe when choosing the tracks, I would just say, oh, that's too many PS2 tracks, and I would, I would like not choose another one, and that would be the only thing I would be thinking mm. about, and I would just let uh, things get uneven. I mean, if it was me, which, who, which it is not, and it's better that it's not, you know, but that's the other way the show could have gone, I guess, if we had opposite jobs. Right. Yeah. So, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't really have any, anything more to say about it, except that we, you know, if the mission of the show is to share people's memories and thoughts, I feel like we are obligated to try to keep it as diverse as possible. So that's always how I approached it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I do appreciate Utopia Nemo saying that. So, and I'm actually, you know, in principle, I'm for that concept. If that's the, what we end up doing, that's fine. I was just noticing that my own motivation for doing the show was decreasing because I wouldn't necessarily hear a bunch of music that I liked when I, you know, started re recording it or whatever. Right. And then, you know, from my perspective, again, with the, the librarian thing, like if you're if you're trying to archive reality as objectively as possible, you want to keep your hands out of it as much as you can. Yeah. You don't want to guide people's submissions. Now, that's not to say that we can't do that or that that wouldn't be a good show. And, you know, I'm probably stricter about it than I than I need to be. But to me, if I just go up to somebody and I ask, like, what's a video game track that you like, recommend me one, and I don't give them anything to go on, what they come up with is important because it came from somewhere inside them. And sometimes people need like some kind of line, like recommend some cute song or recommend something from a particular system and it helps people not be paralyzed by indecision. But I think that uh, you know, if, if we want people to be guided by their experiences and their memories, we want them to just come up with what they think is important to share and not, yeah. you know, try to guide it too much. So yeah. that's my philosophy. That is a, no, I think your philosophy is strong and for sure. My philosophy better, is strong. Yeah, your philosophy is a, a, a final boss in a lot of ways. Um, I don't have any real objections to that at all it's just well the things that i would say is one you know i do like to he hear music that's older and it's important that the hosts want to do the show i guess so you have to think about them to some degree and i i guess i'm being objective about myself as a human being right there but also just if we plan on doing them all anyways it doesn't really matter Cause when we're we'll, 80. Because we'll do them all, yeah. I'm thinking we're going to die before we get to them all, honestly. Mm, could be, could I'm be. Thinking, I'm thinking with the raid that they come in now, if that just keeps growing, yeah. you know, we're going to have to feed them into a machine that's just going to randomly play you a track and give you the text of the testimonial that went went with it. But, um... I'll, yeah, no, our... By then, for sure, I think in the... Probably, what give it 10 years and our computers will be like learning our habits and doing our jobs for us maybe right yeah 
So, yeah, at least we'll have an artificial intelligence finish the shows for us. But it'd be funny. <laughs> it'd be funny if my computer still had to call your computer. You know, it had to have a connection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, my computer would miss your computer's call the first time because I always miss your Skype call the first time. Yeah. Because they think that's just how it's supposed to be done. And my computer... I mean, yeah, I mean, just to go back to something you said about, you know, hosts wanting to do the show, that's why we had had the discussion about playing more retro tracks and kind of tweaking the system a little bit so that you would be able to recapture the the LMH feeling, which is what you've been you've been going for. Yeah. So, but I, yeah, I do feel bad. I don't want to guide things too much. In regards to all that, I do trust a randomized process as much as I trust a process that favors uh, democracy. But I, just if I was doing a purely randomized process, I would just have my hand on it a little bit to keep um, my own computer running, and I mean the computer that is my brain. Right. So I don't. But I think. I mean, but this is why I think. Like last episode, we did, you know, Haju, our haunted jukebox hijacked the show. That's why I think that would be cool to do once a month. Oh, um, I see. You know, just to just to get that that espresso shot of retro into you. Oh, um, okay. So that's that's why I've been kind of pushing that idea because that would guarantee a good infusion of retro tracks. Okay. All at once. I, you know. Did we bring this up on the show as a possibility? No, we talked about it All a right. few times. A new possibility in play, ladies and gentlemen. How do you feel about a one haju per month episode? And I believe it would be easier for you to do, right? It would be easier for me, yes. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. A lot to think about. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind doing it on the show. I hope it's not too boring for everybody, though. What, a randomized one? No, actually talking about these things. Oh, no, I think people like hearing this stuff, right? I don't know. Right? <laughs> I mean, I would. I was, when uh, the Legacy Music Hour went on hi- hiatus and they did their final episode and it began with like a, a 10 minute explanation from Brent's point of view when he was explaining how difficult it was to put the show together and the mm-hmm. effort and the steps that went into it. That was so cool. Yeah. More of that. So if I were a fan of our show and I didn't know what we were saying on the air before it aired, I would be excited about this conversation. And to go back to LMH, man, I can't believe how much work they put into listening to music to make that show. I'm so yeah, no kidding. glad we don't have to do all that research. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So gotta say, I'm on the shoulders of giants and I shouldn't complain about the view. I think that's the episode name there. The shoulders of giants. There's something else we said earlier that was a good contender as well. We'll see. But speaking of the shoulders of giants upon which we stand, would you like to thank those giants by name? I would like to thank Octorox, Zatch, Wicked Sephiroth, Polyester Ties, Hobie, and Alien Jesus, who's actually only half giant and half alien. And to everyone else who keeps writing in and submitting us those wonderful suggestions, please keep sending them our way. Go to our website, thevgmjukebox.com, and click the Suggest a Track button. You can also go to submit.thevgmjukebox.com to send in your suggestions. 
Send us an email at insertcoin at thevgmjukebox.com, or you can send us snail mail. I almost said like smell mail. You can send us snail mail at the VGM Jukebox P.O. Box 26959, Los Angeles, California, 90026. Follow us on the Twitters at VGMJB. And find us on Twitter. I'm at Josh Adachi again. And Emily is at Keyglyph. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any podcatcher. And please remember to rate and review at the iTunes store. Yeah. And I'm talking to you, students, who recently found out that I had a podcast. You want some extra credit? Just kidding. I would never do that. That would be compromising my job. But if you are listening and you're my student, hi to you also. Um, And anyways, join the group on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash the VGM Jukebox and be sure to check out the bulletin board at the end of the episode to see what music and video game related projects your fellow patrons are up to if you would like to be on the next bulletin board just let us know through facebook or email did you know we're gonna see you next week i don't know where we're gonna be next week because uh uh, whether or not these powers wear off and the zombies stop banging on the door will dictate whether or not we uh adventure outside well we're we're not gonna be in the dungeon right Well, we're in the dungeon now, so I think the question is if we're going to get out. What's really cool is that we got this now pneumatic tube where we can actually get recommendations into the dungeon, (laughs) which you couldn't do before. Nice. So we're like, we're setting up just in case we have to bunker down in here. Yeah. Yeah, guys, if we ever have to go to bomb shelters for whatever reason and we wind up in the dungeon, we'll still be able to deliver to you this podcast. That, would it be weird? Would we be doing, doing too many themed episodes if we actually did go Haju, then special bonus, would, uh, not special bonus, but special recommendation episode, that's this one, and then next week do a traditional dungeon style? Would that be too many atypical shows in a row? Uh, are we doing a dungeon next week? I don't know. You said we're still here. and Well, I was just being, I was just going with the... I was just improving. It just reminded me, though, of that possibility of that format. And maybe it could be like a Halloween thing. I don't know. Oh, maybe. I don't know. We could. We could. We'll think about it. Yeah. And uh, please don't give us your two cents about that, dear patron, because it will be <laughs> too late. Anyways, that's not to say that you don't mean so much to us, because you do. And you always will.